0: I said, good John, now I'm going to give you the best free legal advice you're ever getting in your life. Get a great effing criminal defense lawyer. You're going to need it.
1: Yeah, I think he is. I think a lot of the Trumpers are going to need great effing criminal defense lawyers. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Maybe that's just me. I got the feeling there's something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And i want get down the stairs clowns to the left of me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you i am from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la also in california in red bluff and redding on kfoi round mountains kkrn and eureka's kgoe also up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com. Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Burden Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says everyone I meet... (laughs) from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Glad to have you here with us for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. On Tuesday, voters in four states, Maine, North Dakota, South Carolina, and Nevada held their midterm primaries, while Texas held a special election for the U.S. House. As always, uh, throughout the primary season so far, the corporate media seems to be viewing all of this through the frame of how these contests reflect on Donald Trump, which seems very strange to me, Desi Doyen.
2: Yes, and I have some thoughts on that. Oh, do you? I do.
1: What are they? Um,
2: Well, I think, first of all, that the uh, focus on seeing the election through how it affects Trump and Trump's power, um, I think that that's twofold, that it's uh, partly to get clicks, because nobody would really care, I guess, if you're not in Nevada (laughs) about a tiny house race in Nevada. It kind
1: of gives you context for who these people are or aren't. let's find out.
2: And uh, secondly, I think it's also kind of an anthropological fascination with the Trump cult and it's uh, the GOP base of mm. voters who seem to be so obsessed with this slide into authoritarianism so that's my thought
1: well that might be a good thought I will tell you though it has led to some very strange um, well for example after the polls closed on Tuesday I received two different alerts from Washington Post on my iPhone with about within about 12 minutes of each other mm-hmm. the first one read quote In a big victory for Donald Trump, Republican rep Tom Rice is projected to lose his South Carolina primary. Big victory for Donald Trump. Just 12 minutes later, the Washington Post, same newspaper, sent a second alert to my same iPhone saying, quote, Republican rep Nancy Mace is projected to win her South Carolina primary in a blow to Donald Trump. So which one is it? For Trump in South Carolina? Is it a big victory? Is it a blow? It doesn't seem all that useful. I'm not sure that that particular framing is helpful to voters, especially since most of the Republican candidates um, that Trump didn't endorse have been tripping over themselves anyway to tell their own Republican voters how Trumpy they are and how how much they agree in virtually every aspect with the disgraced former president and the continuing con man.
2: Yeah, I didn't say that these were ways of focusing that helped the voter. They helped the media. Yes, I'll they helped
1: them get traffic. Exactly. Uh, we will get to results and the con man's latest con today shortly. But uh, whenever we cover election days, we we try to offer the caveat that even if problems at the polling place with voting systems, etc. are not immediately apparent on the day of problems do come to light sometimes days and weeks or, or even longer after polls have closed. I'm sure I've bored all of you with that uh, caveat. Uh, Well, in fact, we have one such case today in Iowa, which held its primary about a week ago on June 7, and another situation in New Mexico, though that's of a different type of voting system failure. I'll get to that in a bit. But in Iowa, according to... Ethan Stein of Cedar Rapids KCRG. The Iowa Secretary of State's office has learned multiple counties saw an error with a voting system at the polls on Election Day, according to an email obtained by our KCRG TV9 I-9 investigative team. The error, according to the Secretary of State's office, has created the recommendation for a recount In multiple counties across the state during a time of increased concern over election security, according to an email from the Secretary of State's legal counsel, a paper jam created a discrepancy between the number of ballots reportedly tallied by the computer scanners and the number of people who actually voted in a precinct. The Iowa Secretary of State's office has learned that some counties are experiencing paper jams when voters are inserting their ballot into the tabulator, the secretary's legal counsel wrote on Election Day. In some instances, this causes the ballots cast number on the tabulator to increase by one extra vote, which leads to the appearance that more ballots were cast than voters who signed a declaration of eligibility. Now, of course, uh, if the paper jams more than once, presumably that could wildly inflate the number of ballots that the computers report as having been cast. If every time it jams, it you know ticks up the, the counter one time uh, above and beyond the number of voters who actually signed in to vote. And when you have those sort of conflicts, of course, that could be an indication of fraud that the ballot box or the in this case, the computer scanners were being stuffed. So uh, this error and the email response to it obtained by KCRG, as I said, happened on election night. But it's only been publicly reported this week, as far as I can tell. Several counties are now reportedly doing an administrative hand recount of a number of their precincts in order to make sure that everything squares up, as I understand it. For example, Dubuque County is recounting 15 of its precincts. Now, luckily, because Iowa has enough respect for its voters uh, to at least allow them to vote on hand-marked paper ballots, solving this problem should be a pretty simple one. Had a similar matter happened in a state like Georgia, which forces every voter at the polls to use a touchscreen computer or, you know, many counties in Texas who do the same and and elsewhere, even here in California, it might have, you know, just become the latest basis for claiming fraudulent results, which, as you may have noticed of late, has become sort of a problem in this country. A uh, related story along those lines in a moment, but as to This week's reported results, a few uh, highly curated ones from the uh, states holding elections on Tuesday, including Texas, by the way, which already held both its midterm primaries and its midterm primary runoff elections this year. But on Tuesday this week, they scheduled uh, the state scheduled for a different date than either of the two previous elections that they were already holding over the past two months in hopes, I suspect, of keeping the turnout low in order to boost Republican uh-huh. chances. Got it. Got it. They held a, uh, a special uh, U.S. House election on Tuesday in an historically Demo- democratically held uh, House district. But if they could keep the uh, turnout low, I think Republicans hoped that they might be able to win. And, uh, in fact, they did in an all-party Special election held on Tuesday, Republican uh, Myra Flores appears to have won the special U.S. House seat in the 34th congressional district, receiving just over 50 percent, just over 50 percent of the vote as needed to avoid a runoff in this uh, runoff election. In this case, she defeated her closest rival, Dan Sanchez, who received just over 43 percent of the vote. The election was held to fill a seat that was vacated by a Democrat who left Congress to become a lobbyist. The contest represents the first congressional seat change since the 2020 election in what has long been an historically Democratic district in Texas, flipping the seat to the Republicans in the 84 percent Hispanic Rio Grande Valley. The result, uh, however, is not a huge surprise. Democrats did not fight for this seat pretty much at all, even as Republicans poured about a million dollars into TV ads in the Valley. Tuesday's results will also not have much effect uh, on the House. It won't change the Democrats' majority there, and it will only determine who fills the seat now for the rest of the term, which ends at the end of this year it was run under the previously gerrymandered US House district maps in Texas where Joe Biden won by just over uh, by just 4% in 2020 in this particular district that district will now be folded into other neighboring districts in the state's newly gerrymandered maps to be used for this uh, this falls election the uh, 34th district will be held in a Texas, in a new Texas district where Biden won by some 15 points in 2020. So it's becoming a more blue district. So, again, another reason for good or ill that the Democrats did not appear too concerned about the special election there this week. In November, uh, Tuesday's winner Flores who's also running in the regular election in November, will face Democratic Congressman Vicente Gonzalez in what will be a much bluer 34th district. The Cook Political Report Report, currently classifies that district as leaning Democratic. In Maine's only contested primary on Tuesday. Seriously, everyone else in the state running for U.S. House or state rep or state Senate or governor, they all ran unopposed in Maine. Really? Yeah. But in Maine's 2nd Congressional District in the Republican primary, Bruce Poliquin, who represented Maine's 2nd District from 2015 to 2019. He ran to win back his old seat. He defeated so-called America First Republican, Liz Caruso. He will face incumbent Congressman Jared Golden in November in a race that Cook characterizes as a Democratic-leaning toss-up race in November. For governor, I should also note uh, even though they all ran unopposed, but I should also note the attempted political comeback of the man I've described as the nation's dumbest now the nation's dumbest former governor (laughs) Republican Paul LePage who ran unopposed uh, for the GOP nomination after being unseated by Democratic Governor Janet Mills four years ago. She also ran unopposed on Tuesday. She will face off in a rematch with LePage this November, Paul LePage, of course, a guy so dumb that he makes Donald Trump look like a super genius. True. Thank you. You'll recall, among other idiocies, LePage is the guy, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, don't do. you? Yeah, the guy who claimed that windmills were actually a scam they, because they are sec- secretly run by little motors that are inside of them. <laughs> Cook calls that fall matchup leaning Democratic. In other highly curated uh, contests of note on Tuesday in South Carolina, as mentioned at the top in the 7th Congressional District, uh, Republican primary for the U.S. House, Russell Fry appears to have won just over 51 percent of the vote. So he'll avoid a runoff in South Carolina against incumbent Congressman uh, Tom Rice, who was uh, defeated. Rice was targeted by Donald Trump for voting to impeach him after the Capitol riot. Rice, uh, his loss also delivered Trump his very first victory against any incumbent this year. Trump-backed candidates have lost five straight races against incumbents before Tuesday. Congressman Rice knew that his impeachment vote could cost him his uh, reelection chances, but to his everlasting credit, frankly, he expressed no regrets about it during an interview with NBC News last week. He told them, quote, "...win, lose, or draw, I did the right thing, and I know I did the right thing." Adding about Trump's conduct during the insurrection, quote, "...I can't think of any president who has ever done anything worse in terms of government." Good for him, good for Tom Rice. Sorry to see he lost anyway.
2: Yeah, that's what the Republican voters wanted.
1: And in the first congressional district in South Carolina, uh, while that was uh, Rice losing his seat was reported as a great victory for Trump uh, in the state on Tuesday, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who also incurred Trump's ire for criticizing him over uh, uh, January 6th, well she prevailed over her Trump-endorsed opponent, former state rep Katie Arrington, dealing the disgraced former president, yet another loss in his effort to exact revenge on uh, sitting Republicans that he has deemed disloyal. But again, while Mace criticized Trump's January 6th conduct, she's still a huge supporter. So, you know, does it really matter if Trump's candidate, his candidates win in these primaries Or not in a party that has clearly he has clearly captured from virtually top to bottom. Mace is said to have captured more than 53 percent of the vote, so she avoids a runoff with Arrington, who received just 45 percent. Both of those House races in South Carolina's first and seventh are expected to remain in Republican hands this fall, pretty much no matter what. Uh, In the uh, Democratic primary for governor in South Carolina, former Congressman Joe Cunningham, uh, he won a five-way race, though he will have an uphill battle against the state's popular incumbent Republican Governor Henry McMaster in November. The most interesting and perhaps disturbing races were in the great swing state of Nevada, which has been trending Democratic in recent years but is still considered to be a toss-up state by and large, with a democratically held U.S. Senate seat that Republicans view as one of their best chances for a pickup this year. In the uh, GOP primary for the nomination for U.S. Senate to take on incumbent Democratic Senator Catherine, Catherine Cortez Mastro in November, far-right Trump-endorsed Nevada Attorney General Adam Laxalt held off a late surge from an even farther-right outsider. Laxalt, a 2020 election denier, easily won against Sam Brown, an Afghanistan vet endorsed by the wildly right-wing Nevada uh, Republican Party. After Brown had been uh, seen as gaining momentum as an outsider in recent weeks, Laxalt is the grandson of former senator and governor and chair... Uh, of a former senator and governor, and he's also the chair or was the chair of Trump's failed 2020 campaign in Nevada. And Brown had accused him of not doing enough to challenge the state's 2020 presidential results, despite no evidence of fraud and laxalt as attorney general at the time, having filed a lawsuit in hopes of doing exactly that, in hopes of tossing out the results of voters in Nevada. Laxalt said that as chairman of Trump's Nevada campaign, he, quote, "...sounded every alarm imaginable as the Democrats radically altered our election." His evidence for that? He ain't got none. None is apparently needed in the Republican Party. In the governor's race, Trump-backed Clark County Sheriff Joe Lombardo, Who has cast doubts on Biden's 2020 win in the state, uh, but hasn't explicitly called them fraudulent. Well, he easily won the Nevada Republican primary for governor, defeating several opponents, including congressman and uh, Nevada's former secretary of state, former congressman and Nevada's former secretary of state, Dean Heller, who... As uh, we reported exclusively some years ago in a book was actually the man who unlawfully certified the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems and lied about them having passed federal testing with flying colors, as he described it, even as those very systems were failing miserably in federal testing. That's Dean Heller. Uh, and uh, we we showed all of that information, of course, through public records request of those test results that Heller was happy to lie about. He came in something like third. So apparently Nevada wants nothing to do with him at all. Lombardo, who won in the primary, will now face Democratic Governor Steve Sisolak in the state's now mostly all vote-by-mail elections on hand-marked paper ballots, thankfully. Sisolak uh, reportedly has a 12-point lead in polling over Lombardo of late, but he is considered to be one of the most vulnerable Democratic governors in the U.S. this November. The most interesting and perhaps troubling race in Nevada, and maybe of the night, was the contest for who will become the state's chief election official in 2024 in this very swingy swing state of Nevada. Republican Secretary of State Barb Sav- Savas- Savasky, who was the only Nevada Republican to prevail statewide during the 2018 Democratic wave, well, she is now termed out. She also certified Trump's loss to Biden in the state as Nevada's top election official in 2020, and she has repeatedly said she found no evidence of widespread fraud. In the uh, 2020 election. So with the not insane Republican secretary of state now turned out this year, Republicans have nominated an extremist election denier to succeed her. Former state assembly member Jim Marchant, who has peddled false claims about the election, was uh, claiming that the election was stolen from Donald Trump and has said he would not have certified Joe Biden's 2020 victory, which was by about 35,000 votes in Nevada... Uh, He wouldn't have certified it had he been in office at the time. Well, he is now projected to be the winner of the GOP primary for Nevada's next secretary of state. Uh, Marchant won on Tuesday. If you have confidence in the voting systems that Jim Marchant believes are rigged. With a 38 percent plurality of the vote back in February when he was campaigning, Marchant told an audience, quote, your vote hasn't counted for decades. You haven't elected anybody. The people that are in office have been selected. You haven't had a choice. On Tuesday night, however, that same guy, apparently after winning a seven way race, Well, he called his primary victory a, quote, historic night on the road for election integrity.
2: Very modest.
1: Yeah. And talk about having it both ways. Yeah. It's you haven't chosen anybody unless you choose me. Sound familiar? Marchant, uh, who, as I said, was a former state assemblyman. I guess he won by fraud at the time. Anyway, uh, he was uh, part of the alternate slate of electors in Nevada, the fake electors that the state GOP offered in a bid to help steal the 2020 election. Asked who he thought was manipulating voting machines, Marchand told The Guardian recently, quote, I don't know, actually. I think it's a global thing. Many of the judges who rejected uh, election fraud claims, he added, were, quote, bought off also. They are part of this cabal. Everyone is part of this cabal. Uh, Thankfully, he was uh, happily to overcome the cabal, I guess, to win in his primary on Tuesday. He's a founding member of the so-called America First Secretary of State Coalition, which is uh, a bunch of candidates who, just like Marchand, would have uh, opted to undermine democracy had they been in power in 2020 and helped uh, to steal the election for Donald Trump. And he now could, well, actually do exactly that once in power if he wins as secretary of state this November. So it's all funny until, you know, someone tries to help uh, Donald Trump steal another election, I guess. He will go up against Democratic former State Athletic Commission uh, member Cisco Aguilar, who ran on Tuesday unopposed. And the question of whether these clowns, if elected, will certify elections as per the law when there is zero evidence of fraud, this is not merely an academic one at this point. It is already very, already very real, as we are seeing play out today in New Mexico, which held its primaries uh, a week ago, on June 7th. And this is exactly what I have long feared, what I have long warned about when it comes to the use of computerized voting and tabulation systems, whether there is reason or not to be concerned about the accuracy of an election result which uses these systems to count ballots, voters are not going to trust them because these computers tally votes in secret. And that, of course, is exactly what Donald Trump exploited in his big lie attempt to steal the election by claiming fraud, for which there was no evidence. But now this, I'm afraid, as we see in New Mexico, is what we all have to look forward to in the coming years. Via AP last night, New Mexico's Democratic secretary of state on Tuesday asked the state Supreme Court to order the Republican led county commission of rural Otero County to certify primary election results after it has refused to do so over distrust of Dominion vote tallying machines. Secretary of State Maggie Toulouse Oliver's request came a day after the three-member Otero County Commission, in its role as a county canvassing board, voted unanimously against certifying the results of their own June 7 primary without raising any specific concerns about discrepancies. They just don't want to. The commission's members include Cowboys for Trump co-founder Coy Griffin, who ascribes to unsubstantiated claims that uh, Donald Trump won the 2020 election. He was also convicted of illegally entering restricted U.S. Capitol grounds on January 6. He acknowledged that the standoff over his, over this uh, primary could delay the outcome of local election races. Oteri, Otero County Commissioner Vicky Marquardt said this week, I have huge concerns with these voting machines. When I certify stuff that I don't know is right, I feel like I'm being dishonest because in my heart, I don't know if it is right. So apparently she's willing to disenfranchise the entire county. New Mexico's Dominion tabulators, which are used to tally hand-marked paper ballots across the state of New Mexico, have been disparaged repeatedly by... David and Aaron Clements of Las Cruces in their uh, review of the 2020 election in Otero County. The Clements are traveling advocates for forensic reviews of the 2020 election, AP reports. Election officials, including Otero's Republican County Clerk Robin Holmes, say the Clements are not certified auditors nor experts in election protocols. That's the Republican County Clerk saying that. Trying to send the message to the Otero County Commission, county canvassing boards uh, have until June 17—that is, this Friday—to certify election results prior to state certification and uh, preparation for the general election. Under state law, county canvass boards can call on voting precinct board uh, on a voting precinct board to address specific discrepancies, but. There are no discripa- uh, specific discrepancies that have been identified by the Otero Commission. They just don't want to certify because. The uh, Democratic Secretary of State, Toulouse Oliver, said in a statement, "The Otero County Com- quote, the Otero County Commission is flaunting the canvassing process by appeasing unfounded conspiracy theories and potentially nullifying the votes of every Otero County voter who participated in the primary? She went on to accuse the commission of willful violations of the state election code. New Mexico, as noted, uses hand-marked paper ballots that can be double-checked later in all elections, though they rely on tabulation computers to count votes quickly on election night. Election re- results are uh, also audited by random samplings to verify levels of accuracy in the vote count, according to AP. The Otero County Commission voted last week to recount ballots from the statewide primary election by hand. Okay. Also, they want to remove state mandated ballot drop boxes that facilitate absentee voting. And they want to discontinue the use of Dominion vote tabulation machines in the general election. But on Monday, County Clerk Holmes said that those instructions from the commissioners conflict with state and federal election law and that she could only recount an election by hand under a court order. She said, I'm going to follow the law. There's an idea. Cowboy for Trump Otero County Commissioner Coy Griffin said that he and fellow commissioners do not see the process as trustworthy. Yet Mario Jimenez of the progressive uh, group Common Cause New Mexico said, quote, they have no basis other than we just don't trust the machine. Well, what have we been warning about? In Otero, Trump won nearly 62 percent of the vote in the very Republican county in 2020. But its county commissioners have said they're not satisfied with results of the state's audit Of the vote, uh, nor assurances by their Republican county clerk that elections this year will be accurate. Commissioner Marquardt on Monday, she laughed at the suggestion that a court might intervene in the election dispute. And so then what, she said, they're going to send us to the pokey. So, yeah, this is what I suspect we have to look forward to in the months and particularly years ahead. People who are willing to go to jail, if that's what it comes to, in order to disenfranchise their own Republican voters, if need be, to continue this fiction without any evidence to support it, that, you know, all elections that they don't like, and I guess even the ones that they do, are somehow fraudulent. Expect more of this, tweeted Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger. Citing AP's coverage on this on Tuesday night, Kinzinger is one of the two Republican members of the bipartisan House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. He wrote, Wake up, America and GOP. This will destroy us. He says, This is now the plan for MAGA. Place people in low levels who can refuse to do their basic duty. Yep. Yep. My uh, my worst nightmare continues. Let's and it's getting worse. Let's take a break and we will push back a little bit on those continuing nightmares by rebutting Donald Trump's dumb 12 page (laughs) rebuttal to the House Select Committee's January 6 hearings to date. And actually, I may let Trump's own attorney general, Bill Barr, do much of that heavy lifting. That's straight ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial.
2: Hey, this is Desi The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves That's bradblog.com slash donate and thanks I
3: said you talk about this and you talk about that when the t- so big one bite could kill a big mac you talk too much
1: never shut up no. i said you talk too much oh boy you never shut up no we don't you talk welcome back to the broadcast, brad friedman from bradblog.com yeah donald trump at this point i think is talking way too much for his own good but hey i'm not his attorney keep talking mr trump uh happily the bipartisan House Select Committee investigating January 6th and Donald Trump's many faceted, if failed, attempts to steal the 2020 election have uh they have postponed their planned hearings that was scheduled for Wednesday, so I get the chance to respond a little bit to Donald Trump's dumb twelve-page so-called rebuttal to the committee's first two. Damning hearings. And now I'm somewhat loath to even give this dumb rebuttal airtime. But of course, since it's gonna be used by his brain poisoned followers to try and dismiss the demonstrable, detailed mountain of evidence compiled against him via the committee's interviews with more than a thousand people and their examination of more than hundred and forty thousand documents, etc. Uh, I guess it won't hurt to help inform you how you can help rebut the claims made in his dumb rebuttal when you inevitably hear them parroted back <laughs> from uh, some of his uh, supporters.
2: From your right wing brother in law. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So to speak.
1: Yeah. Desi knows what she's talking about. Yes. Uh, anyway, thankfully. Uh, Trump's own uh, attorney general, Bill Barr, has already rebutted uh, really the the bulk of Trump's claims in this 12-page document, which... Uh, Trump obviously did not write himself because it's, you know, full of complete sentences and footnotes, some of which say the opposite of what the document claims. But never mind that. It doesn't have a whole bunch of weird capitalization and stuff. So someone else did this for him. But in any event, to step through some of uh, his key claims in response to the House J6 committee's damning claims that not only was there no evidence of election changing fraud in 2020 anywhere in the country, but that Trump was told that over and over and over again by his uh, his top advisors, his top attorneys, even his family members. He knew he knew the election wasn't stolen, but he went out, kept repeating that anyway. And by the way, uh, raised some two hundred and fifty million dollars on that claim
2: and is still raising it.
1: Yep. Anyway, uh, so let's see here uh, to step through some of his uh, his key claims here. Well, in in the uh, introduction here, he says uh, rather than solving problems, Democrats are rehashing history in hopes of changing the narrative. During my time in office, our nation was thriving. Our economy was strong and the price of gas was very low. Now, Trump or his uh, ghostwriter, writer. Uh, says in his opening, this makes these claims, ignoring the fact, of course, that hundreds of thousands of Americans died unnecessarily on his watch because he pretended that covid was a hoax, which also resulted in our economy crashing And yes, gas prices were very low because nobody was driving for months during nationwide lockdowns when oil companies were literally paying people to take oil off of their hands. He continues, above all else, we were respected, perhaps like never before. America (laughs) prospered under the Trump administration. Well, if you say so, chief, Uh, he then breaks down his rebuttal into several sections that have largely already been debunked by the committee itself. The first he calls the sham investigation. He writes the January 6th. Unselect committee is disgracing everything we hold sacred about our Constitution. If they had any real evidence, they'd hold real hearings with equal representation. They don't, so they use the illegally constituted committee to put on a smoke and mirrors show for the American people in a pitiful last ditch effort to deceive the American public. Again, now there is nothing illegal at all in any way, shape or form about this committee. But Nancy Pelosi had tried to create an independent, fully bipartisan, half Republican, half Democratic commission to examine all of this. But Republicans, after initially supporting such an outside commission, suddenly decided at the last minute that they were against it. So Pelosi allowed the formation of this bipartisan House Select Committee, which Republican leader in the House, Kevin McCarthy, tried to stack with Republican members who were directly involved in the coup attempt to steal the election. He tried to stack it with actual witnesses to the crime that was being investigated. So Pelosi objected to two of the Republican uh, Republicans, five members. But without those two, Republicans pulled all of their members from the committee. Nonetheless, Republicans Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, they were then invited to join the group anyway. Trump writes, our Constitution protects the right to confront accusers, honors the right to fair trials, and holds the right to legal representation as paramount in our justice system. Well, this is not the justice system. This is not even a trial, fair or otherwise. Even though many of Trump's own staffers refused the invitation to confront their so-called accusers, actually investigators here, two of whom, by the way, have been indicted on contempt of Congress charges for having done so, when they could have just come in and pleaded the fifth if they wanted to. I'm sure the committee would have been delighted, by the way, to depose Donald Trump under oath. He could have volunteered to come in had he made such an offer. I'm sure they would have accepted it, but he had no intent of ever doing so, even if subpoenaed, by the way. There's a whole lot of other nonsense like that, but don't worry, I won't bore you with it. I will bore you instead with the actual sections where he tries to repeat the same failed claims that he and his supporters have been peddling unsuccessfully for the past year and a half. The first section is called Stop the Count. He writes, on election night, America watched as my lead grew and grew over Joe Biden as I was set to claim another victory. By the morning of November 4th, the day after the election, I led by 700,000 votes in Pennsylvania, 300,000 votes in Michigan and hundreds of thousands in Georgia, Arizona and Wisconsin. Then the same little dictators who destroyed the separation of powers made the treasonous, treasonous decision to stop counting. These same None of this happened. These same states who had counted millions of ballots in a single day had to stop counting in order to count a few hundred thousand ballots over the next four days to call the race on November 7, four days after the election. He says, why would it take four more days to count a few hundred thousand votes when they had counted millions in one day? Well, he says they needed time to traffic the ballots and manipulate the (laughs) outcome of the election. Now, of course, we all know why Trump led in several states on election night, because he told all of his supporters to vote at the polling place, as opposed to by mail. Mail takes much longer to tally in states with GOP controlled legislatures like Pennsylvania and Michigan. Those legislatures, even though there was many more uh, uh, mail-in ballots because of the pandemic, those legislatures would not allow the counting of mail-in ballots to begin until Election Day or after the polls closed on Election Day. So they didn't even start opening those ballots one by one to verify them until Election Day. So, yeah, the easy-to-tally Election Day votes which do not need to be verified one by one. They're already verified when they're cast at the polling place. Those were quickly counted by computers on election night, millions of them, but the rest had to be verified as legitimate. Signatures checked and so forth and opened one by one before they could be counted.
2: By hand.
1: Which, well, they weren't counted by hand, No, but I mean, they were opened and hand. verified yeah, exactly. by hand. Exactly. So, yeah, that's why it took four days to count hundreds of thousands of votes. Of course, the House committee discussed all of this with witnesses already, but Trump is counting on his dopey supporters to not have watched those hearings, I guess. The next section is called ballot trafficking. It begins this way. Highly respected, true the votes, Catherine Ingelbrecht <laughs> and Craig Phillips showed the nation exactly what the Democrats' illegal ballot trafficking scheme looks like. They spent years investigating election crimes, and their hard work provided America with the indisputable proof so many had been waiting for. True the Vote cooperated with Dinesh D'Souza to produce the blockbuster documentary 2,000 Mules, which provides video evidence of the ballot trafficking scheme that Democrats have created. Well, all right. Anything, of course, that begins by referencing, quote, highly respected true the votes, Catherine <laughs> Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips is not going to go well. Those are the clowns who for years have been producing uh, one immediately debunked report after another year after year, claiming things like thousands of dead people showed up to vote only for those very dead people. To declare, uh, oh, hello, I'm right here and I'm very much alive, not dead <laughs> at all. Or to claim that voters with the uh, same name were voting multiple times in different states when, in fact, they were voters with different middle names, different birthdays, different Social Security numbers. Just uh, really shoddy, sloppy work. That they work. didn't even bother to check, right. Yeah. Or, or sometimes a junior and a senior who had the same name. But then Trump cites the uh, 2000 Mules movie, which uh, we've already debunked several times on this show, but I guess we got to do it again. It was created with True the Vote and Dinesh D'Souza, a guy who actually pleaded guilty to multiple election fraud crimes himself, only to be pardoned later by election integrity champion Donald Trump. So so this uh, so-called documentary the uh, that Trump's ghostwriter spends the next four or five pages describing has all been long ago debunked Essentially, uh, True the Vote purchased anonymized cell phone data that purports to show that certain cell phones went within a 100 feet of absentee ballot drop boxes, which are usually placed in high traffic locations, about 10 times or more each over the month leading up to Election Day. Uh, while also coming within a hundred feet of several unnamed non governmental organizations which the filmmakers claim were the ones creating fraudulent ballots, handing them to these so called ballot mules to then to l- deliver to to drop boxes Now, why those folks wouldn 't just use uh, mailboxes that is unclear, but the cell phone data means of course that Postal workers, for example, who work near uh, the, who you know who pass the, the drop boxes every day or people who work near the where the drop boxes are. They were all pegged as so-called ballot mules. people that were that they you know were claiming were harvesting fraudulent ballots. and of course, mules and harvesting, that kind of language. That's all meant by folks on the right to conjure up images of illegals, you know? Those who work to harvest in the fields or drug mules who ferry drugs over the border. But to really make their case, the filmmakers obtained security camera footage on these drop boxes to show what they claimed were people dropping off multiple ballots. Now, if you look at that footage, it's unclear that. These people even have multiple ballots, but Georgia state investigators actually tracked down some of the people seen in the movie dropping off ballots only to find that, yes, one guy, for example, was dropping off five ballots, one for himself, one for his wife and three for his three grown children, all of which is perfectly legal in Georgia. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation last September, months before the film was released, looked at the cell phone data and shared it with the FBI. And both the GBI and the FBI saw no evidence of any crime, though they said that if video evidence uh, were to show people visiting drop boxes multiple times, as the filmmakers claim in the movie, well, that might make a difference. But the filmmakers did not do that. They don't show anyone visiting a Dropbox more than once unless it's one of the actors that they put into the movie. The actual security camera video shows nobody uh, going to these boxes more than once. It should be easy to get that footage because they have the cell phone data. They know exactly when those cell phones supposedly showed up at each Dropbox. They could easily request the video from that exact moment to show the same identified cell phone visiting over and over again, but they don't do that. And even Donald Trump's own attorney general, Bill Barr, noticed that when he was asked about all of this during his videotaped deposition with the January 6th committee. So I will let Bill Frickin' Barr debunk the rest of this nonsense.
3: The election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that, including the 2000 Mules movie. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe you can uh, assess that, 2,000 mules, and people are talking about that.
3: Well, I mean, just in a nutshell, you know, I just think the GBI was unimpressed with it, and I was similarly unimpressed with it because I think if you – because I was holding my fire on that to see what the photographic evidence was because I thought, well, hell, if they have – a lot of photographs of the same person dumping a lot of ballots in different boxes, you know, that's hard to explain. Um, so I wanted to see what the photographic evidence was. But the uh, cell phone data is, is singularly unimpressive. I mean, it basically, if you take two million uh, cell phones and, and figure out where they are physically in a big city like Atlanta or wherever, just by definition, you're going to find many hundreds of them have passed by and spent time in the vicinity of these boxes, and the premise that, if, you know, if you go by a box, you know, five boxes or whatever it was, you know, that that's a mule, is just un- indefensible. It, it, it By definition, you're going to have a lot of hundreds of this. I mean, one I saw one contractor said, we figured out that our truck alone would account for six uh, cell phone signals. Uh, this was a you know, uh, uh, some kind of contractor. And, you know, our route would take us by these things on a regular basis. So I, I, but then you know, when the movie came out, uh, you know, I think the photographic evidence in it was completely lack, I mean, it was, there was a little bit of it, but it was lacking, you know, it didn't, it didn't establish widespread, uh, illegal, uh, um, Harvesting. The other thing is, people don't understand is that uh, it's not clear that even if you can show harvesting, that that changes the the results of the election. You're not. Courts are not going to throw out votes uh, and then figure out you know, what votes were harvested and throw them out. You'd still the burden on the challenging party to show that illegal votes were cast. Votes were. The result of undue influence or bribes, or or there was really you know the person was non compos mentis, uh, but absent that evidence, I don't I just didn't see courts throwing out votes anyway.
1: No, of course they're not going to throw out votes. Uh, they don't know which ones once they've been cast, once they've been verified. And they all had to be verified a- after they were put into these drop boxes as coming from the person who actually claims to have been uh, voting on them. But no, they're not going to throw out ballots because. W- you know at that point they don't they have no idea which vote is which not to mention the notion as uh seems to be suggested in this dumb movie that all of the votes that were cast at the drop boxes were for Joe Biden
2: and there's no way to know that
1: even though most of the fraud we actually have discovered since uh, the 2020 election was committed by republicans so even Donald Trump's own attorney general, Bill Barr, the great cover-up artist, you know, can't go along with this one. Isn't buying this what what Trump called the indisputable proof of 2000 mules. Apparently, it can be disputed. The rest of his uh, 12-page rebuttal goes on with this similar nonsense. How could Joe Biden win when my rallies had thousands of people and Joe Biden never came out of his basement because we were in the middle of a pandemic? And Biden didn't want to kill his own voters with super spreader rallies, all tired, long ago debunked nonsense. But apparently this is what suffices for Donald Trump's rebuttal to this uh, stunning evidence coming out via the January 6th committee. Complaints about Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg giving 400 million to a non-pro- uh, non-partisan nonprofit who then gave money, that money to states and counties to help them hold an election during a pandemic with drop boxes and making polling places safe. Trump tries to argue that Zuckerberg and Facebook, which has long been the epicenter of right wing disinformation, uh, he's somehow a liberal who only gave the money to jurisdictions who promised to help steal the election for Trump. (laughs) I mean, it is all ridiculous, even on its face. And I'm sorry to have to bore you with it, but someone has to, I guess. There's more, but you get the idea. Trump ends this way. The U.S. is being destroyed. The Democrats know that I would correct all of this, and they are doing everything in their power to stop me. But we can't be stopped. We have to save America. Okay, Donnie, you do that. Uh, hope you can do it from prison, because I still suspect that's where you'll be ending up, unless you stroke out first. And by the way, for what it's worth, I am of the belief that Trump would be the easiest of all of the potential Republican candidates for Democrats to beat in 2024. And yet these hearings are making it very hard for Trump to be able to run again, if only because it may help the DOJ finally bring charges against Trump at best or discredit him at worst, even among the Republicans who are watching this and realizing what a clown this man is. All right. Speaking of the January 6th hearing, Liz Cheney offered a preview of the next one to be held on Thursday, which we will share right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad here at The Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course we need your help to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. Please help us continue that fight over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com/donate. And thanks.
2: Tomorrow, tomorrow. I love you. Tomorrow, you always
0: a day
1: away. Yes. Tomorrow, Tomorrow on the broadcast, more of our January 6th House Select Committee coverage. <laughs> on Tuesday night, the um, committee vice chair, Liz Cheney, released a video summarizing the committee's two public hearings to date. And she offered this preview for the next one scheduled for Thursday. Thursday, which is set to focus on the pressure placed on Vice President Mike Pence to help steal the election on January 6th.
4: Yesterday, the select committee's hearing showed all Americans that President Trump's claims of a stolen 2020 election were, to use former Attorney General Barr's words, complete nonsense. We heard this from Donald Trump's own campaign experts, his own campaign lawyers, his own campaign manager, his attorney general, and others Donald Trump appointed to leadership positions in the U.S. Department of Justice. President Trump's advisers knew what he was saying was false, and they told him so directly and repeatedly. In our next hearing on Thursday, the Select Committee will examine President Trump's relentless effort on January 6th and in the days beforehand to pressure Vice President Pence to refuse to count lawful electoral votes. As a federal judge has indicated, this likely violated two federal criminal statutes. President Trump had no factual basis for what he was doing, and he had been told it was illegal. Despite this, President Trump plotted with a lawyer named John Eastman and others to overturn the outcome of the election on January 6th. To give you a sense of the gravity of these issues, here is a clip of one of President Trump's own White House lawyers, Eric Hirschman, who talked to Mr. Eastman the day after January 6th.
0: It was the day after. Uh, Eastman, I don't remember why he called me, He's in a, or he texted me or called me, wanted to talk with me, and he said he couldn't reach others. And he started to ask me about something dealing with Georgia and preserving something potentially for appeal. Uh, and I said to him, "Are you out of your effing mind?" Right? I said, "I, I said I only want to hear two words coming out of your mouth for now on: orderly transition." And he screamed, "I said I don't want to hear any other effing words coming out of your mouth, no matter what, other than orderly transition. Repeat those words to me." And I screamed, at him eventually he said orderly transition i said good john now i'm going to give you the best free legal advice you're ever getting in your life get a great f in criminal defense lawyer you're going to need it and then i hung up
1: on him <laughs> That we can look forward to on the next thrilling Bradcast when we will have full coverage of the next hearing by the January 6th U.S. House Committee. Got to get out my thanks to our yes. producer, Desi and <laughs> to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. That is made possible by those who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves and to help everyone else who hasn't donated to keep up with the Bradcast. Drop me email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the BradBlog. I'll see you there until we see you here next time with more J6 coverage. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world.